The next sutta is 4.3.25. Monks, this holy life is not lived to cheat or cajole people. It is not concerned with getting gain, profit or notoriety. It is not concerned with the flood of gossip, nor with the idea of let folks know me as so and so. No monks, this holy life is lived for the sake of self-restraint, for the sake of abandoning, for the sake of detachment from the passions, for the sake of making to cease. Uh, this is uh, one of those suttas that concern more, uh, that is concerned with monks more. And uh, here the Buddha is trying to say that the main purpose of the holy life uh, is to end this round of rebirths, uh, to end our suffering, uh, to cut off the ego. But then uh, uh, once a person becomes a monk, uh, there are many distractions uh, if he's not careful. Uh, either he can uh, become corrupt and uh, indulge in uh, akusala, unskillful actions, uh, uh, like not keeping the precepts, etc., or getting caught up with fame, name and fame. Or sometimes he might uh, get involved with with um, work, uh, which is concerned with the with the monk, uh, for example, uh, uh, trying to propagate the Dhamma, trying to teach, trying to teach meditation and uh, writing books, and uh, get caught up with uh, funerals, chanting, etc. But if he does too much of these things, uh, he can become distracted uh, from the main task or the main uh, aim of the holy life, uh, which is to cultivate ourselves uh, and to to let go uh, and to uh, end our suffering. So uh, this sutta is more for the for the monks. Uh. Now the next sutta is four point three point twenty eight. Buddha said. Monks, these four Aryan lineages, reckoned as ancient, as of long standing, as traditional, primeval, pure and un unadulterated now as then, are not confounded, nor shall they be, are not despised by discerning recluses and Brahmins. What are the four? Herein, monks, a monk is content with any sort of robes, and speaks in praise of such content. For the sake of getting robes, he resorts not to unseemly and unbecoming conduct. If he gets not robes, he is not dismayed thereat. And if he does get them, he is free from the bond of selfishness, of greed, of craving for them. Seeing the danger therein and skilled in the escape therefrom, he makes use of them. Yet does he not exalt himself because of his content with any sort of robes, nor does he disparage others who are not content. Whoso, whoso monks is skilled herein, not slothful, but mindful and heedful. This monk is one who stands firm in the primeval ancient Aryan lineage. Then again, a monk is content with any sort of alms food and speaks in praise of such content. For the sake of getting alms food, he resorts not to what is unseemly and unbecoming. 
If he gets not alms food, he is not dismayed thereat. And if he does get it, he is free from the bond of selfishness, of greed, of craving for it. Seeing the danger therein and skilled in the escape therefrom, he makes use of it. Yet does he not exalt himself because of his content with any sort of alms food, nor does he disparage others who are not content. Whoso monks is skilled herein, this monk is one who stands firm in the primeval ancient Aryan lineage. Then again, a monk is content with any sort of lodging and speaks in praise of such content. For the sake of getting lodging, he resorts not, etc., etc. If he gets not lodging, he is not dismayed thereat. Whoso monks is skilled herein, he stands firm in the Aryan lineage, etc. Once more monks, a monk delights in letting go, abandoning. So delighting, he delights in developing. Yet because of his delight in the one, abandoning, and the other, developing, he exalts not himself because of that delight, nor does he disparage others who, who delights not therein. Whoso monks is skilled herein, not slothful, but mindful and heedful, this monk is one who stands firm in the primeval ancient Aryan lineage. These monks are the four Aryan lineages reckoned as ancient, as of long-standing, as traditional, primeval, pure and unadulterated now as then, which are not confounded nor shall be, are not despised by discerning recluses and Brahmins. Moreover, monks, possessed of these four Aryan lineages, whether a monk dwell in the east or the west, north or south, wherever he may dwell, he masters discontent and content. Monks, he is a sage. And this is another sutta which is concerned more with monks, lah. Uh, telling the monks not to uh, be too concerned with robes, uh, the requisites, uh, the robes, the food, and the lodgings, uh, to be content with whatever a monk gets. Uh. And the last one is letting go, uh, abandoning, uh, which of course uh, a monk uh, practices in stages, uh, and eventually is supposed to let go of the self, uh, the ego. Uh, these four factors, uh, um, the, the, the Buddha talks about contentment. Uh, contentment is one of the factors of the holy life. Uh, there's, uh, the Buddha is supposed to be called Vija Charana Sampanno, uh, replete uh, with uh, Charana is sometimes translated as conduct uh, or uh, practice. And um, the other one is knowledge. So in the practice, contentment is one of the factors. And this contentment leads to restlessness and is one of the causes for a monk to disrobe. And the other thing that is important, Buddha, the Buddha mentioned here, is that if a, if a monk is uh, developed, uh, then he does not exalt himself and he does not disparage others, even others are not uh, not up to his standard, uh, are not up to whatever standard he, he has in mind. Uh, he does not uh, put down the other monks, I mean, not on a personal level. Uh, but then uh, the Buddha is also quite um, a reasonable person. For example, in the Vinaya, the monk's disciplinary code, uh, the Buddha said that if a monk does not get enough 
enough quantity of alms food, nah, wherever he stays, nah, he should leave that place. Because nah, uh, you can't practice the holy life when you don't get enough food. Nah. The other thing is, in the Vinaya, the Buddha so mentioned nah, that if a monk does not, the food he gets nah, is not of uh, quality food. Nah. Because if you don't get quality food, nah, then uh, you don't have the strength nah, to practice the holy life also, especially uh, if you want to stay up at night and get up early, etc. So the Buddha also said, if we don't get enough quality food, we should leave the place also. We should stay there. Mm. I come to another sutta, 4.3.29. Buddha said, monks, these four are factors of Dhamma reckoned as ancient of long standing, as traditional, primeval, pure and under and unadulterated, now as then mm, are not confounded uh, nor shall they be, are not despised by discerning recluses and Brahmins. What are the four? Uh, non coveting monks is a factor of Dhamma. Uh, non malice uh, right mindfulness and right concentration are not despised, uh, are, are factors of Dhamma reckoned as ancient of long standing, as tra- traditional, primeval, pure, and unadulterated now as then, are not confounded nor shall they be, are not despised by discerning recluses and Brahmins. These are the four factors of Dhamma. Uh, these four things, uh, the first one is non uh, coveting anabija. That means uh, non-greed uh, is something that's uh, important for a monk. Uh. Another one is uh, non-malice, avaya pada. Uh, that means uh, not to have a, a big temper, not to have a lot of anger. Uh, that's another factor uh. that's important. The third one is right mindfulness or right recollection, uh, samasati. And the fourth one is right concentration, samasamadhi. Uh, you notice here, as elsewhere in the suttas, that some right mindfulness and right concentration, they are not the same thing. They are two different factors. And nowadays, there's a tendency for some people to teach that right mindfulness is enough. That right mindfulness is right concentration. It is not. It's always two separate things in the suttas. And another sutta is 4.4.31. Monks. There are these four wheels possessed of which on devas and mankind there rolls a four-wheeled prosperity, possessed of which both devas and mankind in no long time attain greatness and increase in prosperity. What are the four wheels? They are dwelling in a fitting place, association with true men, perfect application of the self, and merit done in the past. These are the four wheels, possessed of which on devas and mankind there rolls a four-wheeled prosperity, possessed of which uh, both devas and mankind in no long time attain greatness and increase in prosperity. Uh, this uh, sutta, which uh, is both for monks uh, and for lay people, and uh, these four factors, uh, uh, actually they are also found in the Mangala Sutta, the discourse on the highest blessings. The first one is, in the Mangala Sutta, is, is um, the Pali is Patirupa Desa Vasocha, 
dwelling in a fitting place. What do you mean by dwelling in a fitting place? Dwelling in a fitting place for lay people would be dwelling in a place where you can listen to the Dhamma, where you have a chance to learn the Dhamma from monks and a chance to serve the Sangha, like making offerings to the Sangha, etc. Uh, and uh, for monks, it will be a place where it is conducive for meditation, conducive for progress in the spiritual path, where he can progress from day to day yeah, in his meditation. Huh? And the second factor is uh, in the Mangala Sutta is called Panditanancha Sevana, association with true men. Um, here actually the Pali word uh, for the true men is sub. Sapurisa, Sapurisa, uh, true men, uh, meaning uh, Aryas, la, men who have uh, advanced along the spiritual path. Uh, because if you associate with true men, then you get to listen to the true Dhamma. Uh, and then when you get to lo- listen to the true Dhamma, you know how to practice uh, and walk the skillful path. Uh, uh, where you can minimize your suffering and uh, uh, cultivate a lot of blessings uh, that will help you uh, to along the spiritual path uh, and it will lead, help you not only this lifetime but lead you towards a good rebirth uh, in the future life. Third one is Atasama Panidicha. That means perfect guidance of the self or perfect application of the self. That means guiding oneself along the right path. The perfect path. And that of course entails understanding the Dhamma, listening to the Dhamma. And the fourth one is merit done in the past. Pubecha Katapunyata. If we have done merit in the past, then it will help us in this lifetime. Or if we do a lot of good deeds now, it will help us in our future lifetime. So these are the four things. If we practice them, it will we'll get a lot of benefit this life and future life. Dwelling in a fitting place, association with true men, perfect application of the self, and merit done in the past. The next sutta is 4.4.32. Monks, there are these four bases of sympathy. What for? Generosity or charity, kind speech, doing a good turn and treating all alike. These are the four. Uh, These four bases of sympathy, uh, if we practice them, uh, then we can get a lot of friends. Uh, There are... There's a mention some other sutta where some of the Buddha's lay disciples, uh, they had a great following of friends, you know. And um, because they practice these four things, na. first one is generosity. Na. Nobody likes a selfish person. Na. Nobody likes to go near a selfish person. Uh, but if you are generous, everybody will want to come around you. Second one is kind speech. Uh, to be uh, be careful na, that we speak kind words, na, not uh, words which are too hurting. Sometimes... Um, you can't help it. Huh? Sometimes uh, we have to speak a bit uh, harsh words sometimes if you want to wake up some people. Huh? Just like sometimes uh, parents have to spank their kids in a little while, once in a while, huh? to get them to go along the right road, huh? right path. Third one is uh, doing a good turn. 
doing a good turn to others. Uh, and there's a sutta elsewhere, I think uh, I might have gone through it, that the Buddha said that it's very hard to find somebody uh, who will do a good turn to somebody first. Normally we only return uh, something that's good done to us, you know, but to be the first to do uh, good to somebody else is quite rare, just like a grateful person, very difficult to find in the world. And then the fourth one is treating all alike. That means uh, uh, you don't discriminate too much, uh, especially uh, in terms of race or in terms of wealth, or etc. Uh, so these are the four bases of sympathy. Uh, generosity, kind speech, doing a good turn and treating all alike. Now the next sutta is 4.4.33. The Buddha said, Monks, the lion, king of beasts, in the evening comes forth from his lair. Having come forth from his lair, he stretches himself. Having done so, he surveys the four quarters in all directions. Having done that, he utters thrice his lion's roar. Thrice having uttered his lion's roar, he sallies forth in search of prey. Now monks, whatsoever brute creatures hear the sound of the roaring of the lion, king of beasts, for the most part they are afraid. They fall to quaking and trembling. Those that dwell in holes seek them. Water dwellers make for the water. Forest dwellers enter the forest. Birds mount into the air. Then monks, whatsoever rajas elephants in village, town or rajas residence are tethered with stout leather bonds, such burst and rend those bonds asunder, void their excrements, and in panic run to and fro. Thus potent monks is the lion, king of beasts, over brute creatures, of such mighty power and majesty is he. Just so monks, when a Tathagata arises in the world, an Arahant, a perfectly enlightened one, perfect in knowledge and conduct, welfarer, a world-knower, the unsurpassed trainer of men who can be trained, teacher of devas and mankind, a Buddha and exalted one. He teaches Dhamma. Such is the being in the body, such the origin of the being in the body, such is the ending of the being in the body, such is the practice going to end of the being in the body. Then monks, whatsoever devas there be, long-lived, lovely, and become happy, for a long time established in lofty palaces. They too, on hearing the Dhamma teaching of the Tathagata, for the most part are afraid. They fall to quaking and trembling, saying, It seems, sirs, that we who thought ourselves permanent are after all impermanent, that we who thought ourselves stable are after all unstable. Not to last, sirs, it seems, are we, and lasting we thought ourselves. So it seems, sirs, that we are impermanent, unstable, not to last, compassed with a being in the body. Thus potent monks is a Tathagata over the world of devas and mankind. Of such mighty power and majesty is he. And this sutta uh, is comparing the lion, uh, the king of the beasts, uh, with the Buddha. Among all the animals, uh, the lion is the chief, uh, so that even when he roars, uh, even such a huge creature that, like the elephant uh, will panic, uh, avoid his uh, excrements and, 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 and burst their, their bonds, uh, try to run away. So in the same way, 
when the Buddha teaches the Dhamma, there are these devas, heavenly beings, uh, who have long, very long lives, you know, millions of years. And even though they live for millions of years, uh, they never age. They look like a 16-year-old uh, man or a 16-year-old uh, uh, boy or a 16-year-old girl. And after millions of years, they still look 16 years old. So they never imagine uh, that they're going to die. And they, because their life is so blissful and happy, yeah, and they just assume that they are not going to die. But after hearing the Dhamma and after observing the Buddha, then they realize that the Buddha is one who speaks the truth, never speaks a lie. So then uh, they realize that they are going to die one day and then they get scared. Uh, there are some other suttas which explain when a deva, heavenly being, is about to die, uh, when he realizes he's about to die, uh, he gets very worried. Thoughts run very fast, very panicky. He starts to sweat. Formerly he didn't have any body odor. He starts to have body odor. Formerly like he used to have flowers on the head. Uh, naturally the flowers were built and all that. Um, so when he passes away, uh, the body just disappears. Uh, just like when he's born in the heaven, uh, the body suddenly appears. Uh, doesn't have to go through a nine-month period like human beings uh, in the womb. <laughs> now, um, the other thing that's mentioned here, the being in the body, Sakaya, that's uh, normally all beings, uh, we have a view that there is a self in the body. Uh, we attach uh, the body, we, 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 we have attachment to this body and we take it to be the self. Then, uh, as we progress along the spiritual path, and then we come to a state when we realize that the body is not the self. But then we still cling to the mind as the self, and eventually we still have to let go of the mind. Uh, the Sutta is 4.4.35. On a certain occasion, the Exalted One was staying near Rajagaha in the bamboo grove at the squirrel's feeding ground. Now on that occasion, Vasakara, the Brahmin, a great official of Magadha, came to visit the Exalted One, and on coming to him, greeted him courteously, and after the exchange of greetings and courtesies, sat down at one side. As he sat thus, Vasakara, the Brahmin, said this to the Exalted One, Master Gotama, we Brahmins proclaim a man if he possesses four qualities as one of great wisdom, as a great man. What are the four qualities? Herein Master Gotama, he is learned. Of whatsoever he, he hears, he understands the meaning as soon as it is uttered, saying, this is the meaning of that saying, this is the meaning of that saying. Moreover, he has a good memory. He can remember and recall a thing done long ago, said long ago. Again, in all the business of a householder, he is skilled and diligent, and therein he is resourceful and capable of investigating what is proper to be done, what should be arranged. Now, Master Gotama, if a man possesses these qualities, we proclaim him as one of great wisdom, as a great man. If the worthy Gotama thinks me worthy of commendation herein, let him commend me. On the contrary, if he thinks me blameworthy, let him blame me therefore. I'll just stop here for a while. Eh? This Brahmin eh, is, uh, is a great official of uh, Magadha and uh, he addresses our Buddha as Master Gotama because uh, Gotama is the surname of our Buddha. Eh? And uh, sometimes our Buddha is addressed as Samana Gotama. Uh, Samana is a recluse, uh, uh, a renunciant. 
so these four qualities, uh, which the Brahmin says, uh, is uh, all marks of a great man, a uh, great man with a great wisdom. The first one, he is learned. Presumably, he is learned in the Brahmin scriptures uh, and uh, worldly knowledge, etc. Uh, the second one, uh, he understands uh, whatever he hears, uh, he understands. Uh, that's the second one. The third thing, uh, he has a very good memory. The fourth one, uh, in the, the business of a householder, uh, he's skilled in the in the in the business of a householder. Uh, and uh, these things he thinks uh, uh, would make a great man. Then the Buddha said, Well, Brahmin, I neither commend you nor blame you herein. I myself proclaim a man possessed of four qualities to be one of great wisdom, to be a great man. What are the four? Here in Brahmin, we have a man given up to the welfare of many folk, to the happiness of many folk. By him are many folk established in the Aryan knowledge, to wit, in what is of a lovely nature, in what is of a profitable nature. Then the second one, to whatsoever train of thought he wishes to apply himself, to that train of thought he applies himself. To whatever train of thought he desires not to apply himself, to that train of thought he applies not himself. Whatever intention he wishes to intend, he does so, or not if he so wishes. Thus he is master of the mind in the ways of thought. And the third one, also he is one who attains at will, without difficulty and without trouble, the four jhanas which belong to the higher mind, which even in this very life are blissful to abide in. And the fourth, also by destruction of the asavas in this very life, thoroughly comprehending it of himself, he realizes the liberation by mind, the liberation by wisdom, and attaining it abides therein. No, Brahmin, I neither commend nor blame you herein, but I myself proclaim a man possessed of these four qualities to be one of great wisdom, to be a great man. Uh, these four qualities uh, that the Buddha mentioned, uh, the first one is um, he, he is always uh, looking after the welfare of uh, many folk, uh, to, the, uh, to the many, many people. Uh. He cares for the welfare of others. The second one, he's a, he's, a, he's a master of his mind. To whatever train of thought he wishes to imply himself, he can do so. Whatever train of thought he does not wish to apply himself, also he can do so. Uh, and then the third one, he attains the four jhanas. The fourth one, he has destroyed the asavas. Now I'd like to mention again the first one is this person, uh, he is always concerned with the welfare of others. But then, uh, uh, but in, in the, in the, in the sense that he establishes people in the Aryan knowledge. That means, uh, he teaches the Aryan Dhamma to others. Uh, this is what is meant uh, by helping others. Uh. Now, in the uh, Buddha's teaching, uh, uh, the Buddha said, uh, of all the gifts that we can make to others, uh, the highest gift uh, is the gift of the Dhamma, the teaching of the truth. Uh, that is real compassion. Two worldly people, uh, like doing charity and doing uh, good deeds, uh, becoming a vegetarian and all that, uh, that is good. And it is, uh, it is good. But then... Uh, 
of all these actions, uh, the highest uh, is the gift of knowledge. Uh, because uh, if we think about it carefully, suppose somebody is in difficulty and comes to us, uh, needs help. For example, a person is hungry. So if you are concerned with that person's welfare, uh, you will give him food to eat, you feed him. But after a few hours, he's hungry again. Then you have to feed him again. So tomorrow he's hungry again. So are you going to feed him the whole life? If you can do it, it's very good. But then uh, it would be more skillful of you uh, if you can teach him, for example, a trade, a skill, a work. So if he teaches, uh, if he is taught uh, uh, a work uh, which he can do to earn a living, then you have uh, no need uh, to look after him day after day, then he'll be able to take care of himself uh, and succeed in the world. Uh. But then that is just this lifetime, he can earn a living. But then the next lifetime when he comes, uh, he might suffer because uh, he doesn't know how to walk the good path, uh, the path that, uh, cult that where we cultivate a lot of blessings uh, to help us. And then uh, um, because he has... Uh, still continues to be selfish, etc. Next life, when he comes back, uh, he'll suffer again, might not be able to get food again. But if we teach him the Dhamma, uh, and then we teach him, make him understand that all these karmic obstructions that he is experiencing now uh, is due to karma, la, past deeds. La. For example, he has been selfish uh, in this life or in the past life. Uh, and because of that, not many people want to help him. And then if he understands uh, that uh, he has to cultivate blessings uh, so that uh, people can like him, uh, so to speak, um, kind words, uh, instead of harsh words, etc. And um, then um, slowly, uh, and he's also got to understand that uh, karma is not only past life karma, but this life karma. He's got to exert himself uh, to... Uh, look after himself in this life also. So he not only um, gets a job to succeed in the world, he also cultivates uh, some some of the uh, good qualities in life uh, which will help him uh, not only this life, even the next life. So if we teach him this kind of Dhamma, then we are not benefiting him not only this life, we are also benefiting, benefiting him uh, in the next life or the next few lives to come. That's why the gift of Dhamma is the highest gift. And because when we teach Dhamma to people, we are teaching them to lead a skillful life instead of an unskillful life. The kusala and akusala, skill. This word kusala can be translated as skillful or wholesome. A wholesome life, a skillful life. Because in life, we find of uh, suffering, uh, there are two types of suffering. There's a type of suffering which nobody can avoid. For example, uh, getting old, growing old, becoming sick and dying. Nobody can run away from that. All beings uh, would experience that. But there are certain kinds of suffering which are unnecessary, which we can avoid. For example, if a person drinks and drives, uh, you drink and drive, you get into an accident. That was not necessary. It could have been avoided. So in the same way, there are also other things uh, that we can cultivate now to 
to avoid suffering, for example, if you speak skillful words to people instead of harsh words, uh, then uh, uh, we can avoid unnecessary suffering in one way. Another one is we know how to keep our precepts. Another one is we know how to uh, listen to the Dhamma, if you know how to do charity, etc. So these are all the teachings uh, that the Dhamma teaches us uh, to lead a very skillful life uh, so that we go through life with the minimum suffering. And not only that, uh, even the uh, minimum suffering, uh, eventually we sort of make it dry out uh, by getting out of samsara, out of the round of rebirths. Then the second quality uh, is that person uh, is a master of his mind. He is so his mind is so well developed uh, that um, he does not he is not controlled by the mind. He controls the mind. A lot of people uh, they, they they meditate and then uh, after many years of meditation uh, they think they are very skillful. They think they have attained uh, great stages, uh, but then. Uh, very, you can see uh, their likes and dislikes. If they have very strong likes and dislikes, that means uh, they have not uh, uh, a developed mind. If we have a developed mind, uh, we would not be controlled by our likes and dislikes. Uh. And then the third one is the jhanas, uh, the condition for wisdom. Uh, is the uh, concentration. And the, the fourth one is um, destruction of the asavas. Uh, uh, attaining arahanhood. Then uh, the Brahmin said, It is wonderful, Master Gotama. It is marvelous, Master Gotama. How well this has been said by the worthy Gotama. I myself do hold the worthy Gotama to be possessed of these same four qualities. Indeed, the worthy Gotama is given up to the welfare of many folk, to the happiness of many folk. By him are many folk established in the Aryan knowledge. To wit, in what is of a lovely nature, in what is of a profitable nature. Indeed, the worthy Gotama, to whatever train of thought he wishes to apply himself, to that train of thought he applies himself. Surely the worthy Gotama is master of the mind in the ways of thought. Surely the master, the worthy Gotama is one who attains at will the four jhanas. Surely the worthy Gotama, by destruction of the asavas, realizes the liberation by mind, the liberation by wisdom, and attaining it abides therein. And the Buddha said, Indeed, Brahmin, your words come close and challenge me to a statement. Nevertheless, I will satisfy you by replying, I am indeed given up to the welfare of many folk, to the happiness of many folk. By me are many folk established in the Aryan knowledge, to wit, in what is of a lovely nature, in what is of a profitable nature. To whatsoever train of thought I desire to apply myself, to that I apply myself, or not as I please. Whatever intention I wish to intend, I do so, or not as I please. Indeed, Brahmin, I, master of, I am master of the mind in the ways of thought. Indeed, I am one who attains at will the four jhanas. Indeed, Brahmin, by the destruction of the asavas, I realize the liberation by mind and liberation by wisdom, and attaining it abide therein. And that's the end of the sutta here. So, there's another case where somebody is challenging the Buddha, and uh, he ex uh, he acknowledges uh, that he has attained all these uh, four qualities. Uh.